Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Your Money. I'm Michelle Martin. Good morning. Asia-Pacific markets trading higher this morning on the back of a strong closeout to the second quarter on Wall Street on Friday. It's a holiday-shortened week in the United States. The markets only open for half a day of trade this evening, and they will be closed on Tuesday for, of course, 4th of July, U.S. Independence Day celebrations. Joining me as we break down all the market action with a new haircut as well, Ryan Huang, good morning. Good morning, Michelle. Welcome back. Thank you very much. Ryan, you know we're halfway through 2023. Yeah, time flies, right? So, with a big of an eye, so much has happened and I think... I am looking forward to a year-long holiday. Well, it's a year-end holiday, excuse me. Uh, Freudian slip there. I need a year-long a year long holiday. As you know, I'm a literary gal, Ryan. I love words. So when we talk about being halfway through 2023, I want to ask you if there is just one word, Ryan, that best describes markets so far this year. What is it? Uh, I'm going to be predictable and go with tech. <laughs> so we've been hearing a lot about AI. Everyone's been jumping on ChatGPT, talking about BART, and looking at all things AI. Semiconductors have been a big play. Everyone's been trying to figure out how do we get on this trend and play on this theme. And mm. I think to some big extent, we've seen a lot of tech companies enjoy a rally, a relief rally of sorts, because going into 2023, there were some concerns about rates being elevated, being a weight on tech stocks. Mm -hmm. But with this AI frenzy, it seems like that is being shaken off. People are going into many of these tech names. And if you look at the likes of NVIDIA, they are up by almost 200% over the past year. So you've got a huge run-up in tech and it is closely watched to see if that momentum will spill over into the broader market? Is it enough to drag along the other sectors as well? Absolutely spot on. I think for me, the word I choose is surprising uh, in line with what you're talking about as well. I mean, if you told me six months ago, if anyone had told me six months ago that tech stocks would be trading up more than 30% at the halfway mark of the year, I think I would have told them that, uh, you know, they're screw loose. But that is where the Nasdaq is today, up nearly 32%. And remember, at the beginning of the year, rising interest rates and inflation dominated our market narrative. And both both of these seem to be bad news for yeah, tech stocks, Michelle, right? Let's put in context: thirty percent rise for Nasdaq is the best first half since forty years. Forty years. Imagine <laughs> that. The best first half. How often does it happen? Wow. Thanks to strong gains by Apple, Nvidia, the last time Nasdaq performed this well, flash flash dance was at the top of the charts. Okay. Flash dance. <laughs> wow, <laughs> memories. Let's take a look forward now. What's the narrative for how stocks should perform over the next six months, Ryan? Yeah. So. Now with that rally coming through, people are asking, how sustainable is it? Is this AI thing going to play out the way they're hoping it to be? I think that's going to be one of the questions being asked. Will this be monetized? And when will we see that pulling in money for some of these big tech names? And the other question I think will be margins. And I think we've seen how cost pressures have started to rise. And to some extent, the past few quarters, companies have managed to pass on some of these costs, partly because of revenge spending, accumulated savings. So for many consumers, it was not a big dent. But now going into the second half of the year, 
you might start to see some fatigue in terms of spending. And I think that is possibly going to happen. If you look at some of the spending happens, already we are seeing people move away from big ticket items to value um, stuff. So that's something to watch out for. And of course, the China reopening story is another signal of consumer spending, Mm. at least strength. Um, It has not been as strong as before. So overall, I think consumer strength is going to be the narrative if they can afford to absorb potential uh, price hikes. Interesting. I just want to add to that. I saw an article arguing that most investors now believe we are in a new bull market and there will not be a recession this year. So economists still expecting the US and global economies to retract, but not until sometime in 2024. We talked about tech stocks, but it's also worth noting that the S&P 500 has enjoyed its strongest first half since 2019, up 16% since January. Now, speaking of uh, silver linings, One market that's doing even better and also surprising investors is Tokyo. The Nikkei is up 27% since January. You may recall, listeners, a couple of months ago, Warren Buffett said he was bullish on Japan. But Buffett's money cannot account for all of the (laughs) Nikkei's rise. So, Ryan, what is powering Japan's gains? Yeah, the Nikkei has been really on a tear in the past few months. And it is inching closer to a new high. Very close to 34,000. So right now it's at 33,677. And we've been seeing it move higher based on a few things. And one of them is Ron Buffett. Um, the fundamentals, he says, is there for the Japanese economy to grow stronger. And many of these companies are going to enjoy some upside, especially the trading companies he's invested in, which has its fingers in many sectors such as commodities and everything that the economy might need to grow more. So that's one side of the equation. Mm. And also the weaker Japanese yen could to some extent be beneficial as many of these companies get more competitive with their exports. They might be able to bring in more money. So that's the other part of the equation. And also the... Monetary policy in Japan is more accommodative versus where it is elsewhere. So Mm. that is another factor that's helping to drive sentiment and capital into Japan. So we've got a lot of things uh, working out for Japan. So we're seeing high dividend payments, more share buybacks in Japan as well. The Bank of America says that foreign inflows into Japanese equities are at their highest levels in several years. I guess the the next question, Ryan, is what is next for Japan's markets and whether or not Japanese stocks can sustain these gains? What do you think? It does look like Japan is one of the favourites to continue chugging along because if you look at what else is on the table there are so many question marks. We talk about a recession around the corner for some markets. You talk about China, the property market is still not out of the doldrums yet. So Japan, to some extent, does signal a very strong, convincing argument for many investors to look at, especially with the potential upside that's available to them. All right, it's time to switch gears at 13 minutes past nine. This is Your Money. I'm Michelle Martin. He's Ryan Huang. And now we look at markets through our daily game. It's called Up or Down. Okay, let's start with Apple Up or Down, Ryan. Okay, I am looking at Apple and I would go with Up. It's got a lot of good news around it these days. Last Friday, it was you know, hitting a new high 
three trillion dollar club, and potentially it could go even higher if some of these rumors or leaks come through. Details about new products like the iPhone 15 and new Macs, so more hardware for them to sell. I join you there. It's an up for Apple. In my book, shares of Apple are up nearly 50% since the start of the year. The iPhone market's Market cap, I should say, is now the iPhone maker's market cap. To say that three times fast, and I'll give you a little prize. Uh, the market cap now worth more than three trillion US dollars. It's the first company, Apple, to reach that mark. All right, this was really hot a couple of years ago. I remember during the COVID, so many people talked to me about this particular company, Carnival Cruise Line. Ryan, yeah, Carnival is probably an up for me. So. This, as it talks about total bookings having reached an all-time high, customer deposits totaling $7.2 billion. So everyone, or a lot of people at least, are going cruising, just enjoying the seas. Yeah, it's a nice way to travel. Carnival Cruise Line, one of the biggest gainers among the S&P 500 stocks this year. In fact, its share price has more than doubled since January. And analysts over at Jefferies think that this stock has more room to run. They've lifted their target price for Carnival to $25 US a share. That, by the way, is 30% above Friday's closing price, so it is an up for Carnival Cruise Line for me as well. Big US banks like JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Citi and Morgan Stanley, how are they looking, Ryan? Yeah, so these US banks have just passed their exams and they are going to celebrate like <laughs> most people do after passing by spending and this will be in the form of announcing higher dividends potentially. So with the stress tests out of the way, there's less reason for them to need to buffer for bad case or worst case scenarios. So they've got some loose cash. They could use a splash on paying or rewarding shareholders. Yeah, investors are being rewarded. So it looks like these banks are in good shape. Uh, they're raising dividend payments to investors. That's an up for the big banks in my book. All right, let's switch gears and cross over now to the Chinese battery maker called Rept Batero Energy. All right, this is going to be an up for me as it looks too for an IPO, a $1 billion IPO in Hong Kong. And this is potentially opening up a new wave of IPOs in the EV space, especially in batteries. So it's quite a big thing now for everyone to get interested in the potential proxies around EV space, batteries, commodities around batteries, semiconductors. So it could be writing something... Um, that's going to get higher in the coming years. Yeah, lots of buzz in that area. So on Friday, Rept Batero Energy submitted an application to the Hong Kong Stock Exchange to go public, aiming, as you heard, to raise as much as one billion US dollars. So that's a lot of batteries, don't you think? And a lot of money as well. So I'd say definitely an up for both Rept and the Hong Kong Exchange. And we should note several other Chinese automotive startups are also filing to go public in Hong Kong. Uh, 
let's give you the deets on that. These include RoboSense Technology, Black Sesame International. RoboSense works on sensors for those self-driving cars and Black Sesame International. By the way, they make AI chips and systems for the automotive industry. All right. Are we going to talk about the people behind this company in just a bit? But Tesla, overall, how's it looking? Yeah, so just out over the weekend, some good news for Tesla. Mm. They just had a blockbuster quarter, the Q2, second quarter, for deliveries. So this came through at 466,160 vehicles in the April to June period. So what it means is it has beat expectations. It's up 83% from last year. And it is the best quarter, I believe, since the start of Tesla. So it is over-delivering in that sense. And it does look like Elon Musk's game plan is paying off in the form of giving discounts to attract volume. Yeah, up for Tesla for me as well. Looks like everything's up this morning, doesn't it, Ryan? Yeah, so far so good. (laughs) How about the latest and final installation of the Indiana Jones movie? Okay, so this might be the one that bucks the trend. (laughs) I have not caught the latest movie yet, Indiana Jones 5, but it does look like it has underwhelmed the box office with a $70 million international box office debut. So a bit of a stumble for Indiana Jones. I'm not sure if I want to catch it now based on the reviews I'm hearing. Yeah, exactly. Me too. A lukewarm reception for sure. I mean, it was number one at the box office over the weekend. It's called Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, by the way. The ticket sales were not that impressive, not for a blockbuster series. The new Indiana Jones film grossed 130 million US dollars worldwide, about half of the film's production costs. How about that for perspective? So I I do like Harry. Ford, but unfortunately, I'm going to give this film a down as well, based on the numbers and the reviews that I've seen as well. Let's bring the conversation to Singapore, where a major change is taking place today at the Singapore Exchange. And uh, a 7.5 billion US dollar derivatives market leaving Singapore, headed for India. The contracts were called the SGX Nifty, but from today, they're being traded in Gujarat and will be known as the GIFT Nifty. So SGX not totally being left out in the coal. It's going to get its share of revenue. Fill us in on the details. Yeah, this is a long-running saga. Over the past five years, um, it's been playing out. So let me bring you to the beginning. So mm-hmm. in the beginning, the SGX had a product called the uh, Nifty 50 Index. So this tracked what was playing out in Indian markets and anyone who was keen to invest or have a uh, play on India could get exposure through the SGX on this product. But along the way, the Indian stock market or Indian regulators decided, hey, that's not really what we want. It is taking away liquidity. It is drawing away investors away from India. Why does it need to be India? I right. think that's one of the questions they might have asked. Uh, so they found a bit of a dispute with Singapore, the Singapore Exchange, and then there was a bit of a legal tussle, but happy ending, they have made up and figured out, hey, why not work together? So that's where we are right now. So this is going to be a joint venture of sorts, not exactly, but they'll be working together 50-50 in terms of the revenue split and cost split. Uh, This offering will be now in India, like you outlined, Michelle, Mm -hmm. in Gift City, which is the new financial hub in the western Indian state of Gujarat. So it is going to help that 
plan to build up Give City to become a bigger financial hub if you have, of course, um, a product that investors can invest in. So it's going to draw in some capital flows for Gujarat. So the shift from Singapore to Gujarat does resolve that five-year-old feud between Singapore and India. My question is, what do you think this means for SGX? Is it losing out on a big chunk of revenue or could this be good for it in the long run? Yeah, so that's a good question. If you look at how much contribution the Nifty derivative contracts were mm. helping, uh, it was the second biggest contributor to SGX's equity derivative volumes after the China A50 index futures. So it is a big chunk. But SGX has come up with alternative products over the past five years and is also roughly splitting the costs and revenues from the new product that's going to be in India. So to some extent, it has already offset this new um, scenario. So it is something they have managed, I guess, to figure out how to get around that issue. But of course, um, in the grander scheme of things, there's now a more amicable relationship with Indian Stock Exchange, which opens up future collaborations for other products as well. So I guess that is a, an up for both sides. Well put, well put. Let's turn now to our last word of the day, which belongs to Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg. Yep, the two billionaires have been at odds on social media, but it seems their rivalry may extend to the real world and the cage. A cage fight, everybody. Sounds like a joke, right? It's true. The head of UFC Ultimate Fighting Championship has been talking to both Musk and Zuckerberg on a nearly daily basis to iron out the details. What do you make of Zuckerberg versus Musk? Yeah, I am looking forward to this. <laughs> Two rich guys battling it out in a cage. But I'm also a bit wary. Are they for real? It is almost unreal in the sense. Can you expect these guys to have a fight? They are not professional fighters, first of all, especially Elon Musk. Uh -huh. Even though Mark Zuckerberg has been going for training, what sort of fight can you expect? And what sort of twists in this drama can we also expect? Because I'm sure they will find some creative way to make it different. Yeah. Maybe get their robots to better it out for them or something. Yeah, that's a good idea. I mean, there has to be a twist. I'm sure it's going to be entertaining. Bottom line, Twitter and the internet is going to be on fire if this takes off. All right, that's Market View this morning. He is Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin. Thank you for your company. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.